if you want to avoid all the sickness this winter, the snotty noses, the coughs, the colds, the sleepless nights, the fevers, the Panadol and the antibiotics, the ear infections, the grumpy, tired kids, the days off work and school and childcare, are all those memories of last winter coming back? I'm here to tell you that it doesn't have to be that way this winter. I have a free online masterclass, three simple ways to boost your kids' immunity to avoid a winter full of sickness. It's on demand, meaning you can register and watch it straight away or watch it at a time that is convenient for you. Head on over to naturalsuperkids.com forward slash immune and you will be able to sign up. In the masterclass, I am covering our natural, simple and effective approach to avoiding winter infections, how to boost your family's immunity with our proven three-step naturopathic strategy that is really easy for you to implement as a busy mum. We're going to talk about the immune depleters that you need to avoid so you're not wasting time and money building up your kids' immunity that is just being depleted by these common foods and environmental factors. I am sharing heaps of practical tips. I promise it will be an hour well spent. You can register again at naturalsuperkids.com forward slash immune. I can't wait to hear how you find it and to give you the tips to make this winter healthier. Welcome to the Natural Super Kids podcast, where you will discover practical strategies to inspire you to boost the health and nutrition of your kids. I'm Jessica Donovan, a qualified naturopath specializing in kids' health, and I want to make it as easy as possible for you to raise healthy and happy kids. Let's get into it. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Natural Super Kids podcast. Jessica Donovan here. And today we're talking about fussy eaters and food intolerances, probably two of the most common concerns and challenges and ailments, if you like, that we hear about and see uh, from the families we work with here at Natural Super Kids. And I'm going to specifically talk about what you might be missing when it comes to fussy eaters and food intolerances in your kids. And whether your kids are fussy and have food intolerances or whether they're fussy um, or whether they have food intolerances only, you are going to get a lot of value out of this podcast episode. So I thought, you know, as I was sort of putting this podcast episode together, a story, a client story came to me and I'm like, this is the perfect story to share to give you, you know, some context um, as to how this can present in a particular Person. And I'm sure, you know, if you have fussy eaters, if you have kids with food intolerances, this story of a client that I saw quite a while ago now um, named Zara, she sticks in my head um, and I share her story. I've shared her story before on masterclasses and, and things that I've been on because 
it's just such a good illustration of, um, you know, what can go wrong and how we can turn things around. So Zara's mum bought her to come and see me when I was actually consulting face-to-face quite a few years ago. I don't do any sort of one-on-one consulting anymore. Um, But in the last couple of years that I was still consulting, I was only seeing people online. So It was quite a while ago and she had kind of a lot of stuff going on. Mum was feeling super overwhelmed and not sure where to start. You know, the doctors weren't really giving her any um, long-term solutions um, and things just weren't turning around for her. So she had multiple food intolerances and they were finding it just harder and harder to find things that Zara could eat and they could feed her because she just seemed to be getting more and more reactive to more and more food. So they would determine, for example, that um, you know gluten was an issue for her and they would take gluten out of her diet and they would replace it with um, other grains. Uh, And then all of a sudden she would start to become reactive to those grains. So that was kind of the picture. And she was reacting to, you know, mum felt really almost everything that she was feeding her were causing some digestive symptoms, Um, you know, fruits and vegetables and things that are deemed as healthy, um, you know, she was still quite reactive to. So it was a really kind of messy picture in terms of her food intolerances and her reactivity. And and she was also a really picky eater, really fussy with food, um, you know, didn't have much of an appetite. Her appetite was really low. Um, and as we, as I talk to, sh- as I start to share more um, about this story, you know, it's really un- it's really easy to understand why you know her appetite was uh, pretty dismal. She was underweight, so the doctor was actually really concerned. Her pediatrician was really concerned about her weight um, and was suggesting, you know, a a whole heap of different things, foods and um, different formulas and things to try and get her weight up. But because she was so reactive, you know, it was this kind of tricky cycle. And she was constantly sick. So she had really low immunity. She was going to daycare, childcare, um, but she was having to have a lot of days off. Mum was having to take a lot of days off of work because she was constantly sick. And what was happening was mum would take her to the doctor. The doctor would prescribe her another round of antibiotics. So she had this quite heavy history of antibiotics um, to get well again. And the cycle was sort of continuing. She was getting sick with, you know, the, the, the infections, um, the coughs, the colds, the respiratory infections really often. So as you can imagine, that this was causing a lot of stress within the household. Um, it was affecting not just Zara's well-being. She was she was an only child, but you know, mum and dad's well-being as well. Um, there was lack of sleep, there was high stress, there was like this financial pressure because of all the time that was needed to be taken off of work. And so, you know, they were they came to me pretty desperate. And when I was hearing, you know, all of the the history, I was really excited because I 
could see clearly the one thing we needed to focus on to turn all of this around for Zara and her family. Um, and she was such a gorgeous little little uh, girl. Uh, she was very slight. Um, and you could just see she was, you know, she just wasn't well. Um, and it was affecting, you know, things like her behavior, her sleep, her mood, and so on as well. So the one thing that I could see clearly that we needed to work on was her gut health. And so we started working on her gut, on building up her gut health, on um, improving her microbiome, um, on healing her gut and things, you know, really started to turn around. And I'll share you share with you the details in a moment. But what happened is she went from this really negative cycle of health where everyone was feeling overwhelmed and it felt like really messy because she had all of this stuff going on. It's like, where do we even start with this? To this cycle starting to turn in a much more positive way way. So as her digestive symptoms improved, um, so, you know, I, I didn't really go into this, but she was, she was constantly had sore tummies and th- these were sort of the signs and symptoms that she had of the food intolerances. She had irregular bowels, you know, constipated one day to really loose, uh, you know, bowels and diarrhea the next. Um, and she had a low appetite. So as her digestive symptoms started improving, as we worked on her gut health, she started accepting a wider variety variety of foods and tolerating them. You know, this didn't happen overnight, but it was relatively fast, like within a, within a matter of weeks and then, and then months. Um, so then once her appetite improved and she started tolerating more foods, she started gaining some weight um, and her immunity improved as well. So this all happened from working on gut health. So I want to rewind and look at like what caused all of these issues to happen in the first place. And, um, you know, this is where I think this this story really helps to illustrate the, the things that you might be missing when it comes to your kids' fussy eating and or food intolerances. So what I was hearing from uh, Zara's mum when she brought her into me and, you know, going through the, the assessment that I went through with new clients was that Zara had what we call dysbiosis. Basically, that is an imbalance of good and ba- bad bacteria within the microbiome. Um, and for Zara, this was primarily caused by her history of antibiotic use. So she had, like I said, a heavy history of antibiotic use and she had a history of antibiotics very early on in life. So let's just kind of broaden this out because dysbiosis is really common in kids and for Zara it was this this you know heavy history of antibiotic use and early you know antibiotics used in early life again which is really common in children but there's a lot of different factors that can cause and lead to dysbiosis or gut imbalance um you know our western diet which is low in fiber and high in sugar and processed food can lead to dysbiosis. Um, The maternal microbiome has a role to play in a child's uh, microbiome health. And so, you know, if that that can sort of um, lead to not the best start um, in children, if mum's microbiome isn't as healthy as it could be. And then, of course, there's things like the method of birth. So we know that babies that are born via C-section um, are more likely to have dysbiosis 
and have that imbalance of good bacteria in their guts. Now, of course, this is not a given and there's certain things that we can do if our babies are born via C-section to replete that microbiome, which is really important. Um, but, you know, for, for argument's sake, what the research shows us is that when babies are born via C-section, they're not born via that, that, that um, vaginal birth canal. They're not picking up all mum's healthy microbes. Um, and so that does affect the health of their microbiome very early on. And then there's antibiotic use, like there was in Zara's case, antibiotics in pregnancy, antibiotics during birth, antibiotics in very early life. And this is, you know, really common. I don't have the stats in front of me, but a lot of kids that we help here at Natural Super Kids, you know, are ticking these boxes where mum took antibiotics in pregnancy. They were given or and or they were given antibiotics during birth for whatever reason and or baby was given antibiotics in early life or, you know, even in the, the first few months of life. And this is huge. You know, antibiotics do have a um, significant impact on the gut microbiome. And we know that the gut microbiome um, is super important to all aspects of health. So these are just some of the things that can sort of lead to dysbiosis. Then there's things like stress and environmental factors. You know, there's all sorts of chemicals um, and toxins within the environment that can deplete the diversity of the microbiome. So the Western diet, the Western environment, our Western lifestyle, where we're spending a lot of time indoors versus outside, outdoors, all are having a really negative effect on the microbiome. So it's no surprise that many, 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 many children and adults have this situation of dysbiosis or imbalance in the gut microbiome. And going back to Zara's story and what happened here and how this links to food intolerances and fussy eating, um, the next thing we need to know is that dysbiosis can lead to digestive symptoms. And some of the common ones that we saw in Zara and also we commonly see in kids, constipation, um, irregular bowels. So, uh, you know, those IBS type symptoms where you've got loose bowels one minute and constipation the next. Um, and food intolerances are all linked um, and dysbiosis can be a causative factor within these digestive symptoms. And then the other thing about dysbiosis um, or gut imbalance is that it um, over time will affect the lining of the gut and lead to leaky gut. Now, um, when we see kids like Zara that are reacting to more and more and more foods um, as we're kind of removing foods that we um, think they're reacting to and replacing them with other foods and then they start reacting to those, that is a big red flag for leaky gut syndrome or intestinal permeability. And what this is, if you're not aware, is that um, it's basically, you know, essentially it's a breakdown of the gut wall. Um, so the gut wall is, is essentially breaking down and the food particles that should remain within that tube of the digestive system are leaking out through the lining and into the bloodstream and the 
immune system is then reacting to those particles or proteins from the food that that child is eating. And so this is what's happening when, you know, a child, like the example I gave before, where we're removing gluten from the diet, but maybe we're introducing a lot more rice into the diet. And then rice suddenly becomes a problem when it wasn't before is because that, um, you know, that volume of rice that's going through the digestive system is increasing. It's leaking through into the bloodstream. The immune system is then reacting to it. um, And, you know, food intolerances are developed over time. So whenever we're seeing kids with food intolerances, we're always looking at the, you know, that that intestinal permeability um, and healing that gut lining. So hopefully this is all making sense. Um, So just to sort of reiterate what we're talking about, you know, that dysbiosis, has, has caused the digestive symptoms or has been a, a big factor in the digestive symptoms that are going on. And it is also affecting the lining of the gut, leading to leaky gut and food um, intolerances. And in some cases, uh, that can lead to food allergies as well. Now, moving on to the fussy eating and how this is linked here. Well, there's a number of of ways that this is linked. So dysbiosis, that imbalance of of bacteria within the gut, um, is also a really big factor in fussy eating. So when we've got an imbalance in the gut microbiome and we've got an overgrowth of of the baddies or the bad sort of microbes, the pathogenic microbes, um, this can lead to cravings for certain foods, for sugary foods, for starchy foods. Um, And the research tells us that when there is an overgrowth of these these bad um, bacteria, um, they are craving, you know, they're leading to cravings of, of sugary, starchy foods so that they can thrive and grow, but also to impair the growth of the good bacteria because it's all a balance in the, in the gut microbiome, right? So kids with dysbiosis will often have cravings for those bland, processed, starchy, sugary, sweet foods. Healthy foods are less attractive because they're my, because the, the, the microbes that imbalance in the microbiome. Um, so the microbes are manipulating the response, their, their response. So your child isn't being fussy just to be a pain, although sometimes I know it feels that way. But these are actual, you know, physical cravings that are coming from this imbalance in the gut microbiome. So you can sort of start to see how this picture all links together and how food intolerances, fussy eating, um, in these you know circumstances, situations, challenges, we always need to be looking at the the gut function and the gut microbiome and addressing digestive symptoms. Now, digestive symptoms such as constipation and tummy aches or that gastrointestinal pain can also obviously really affect appetite. Anyone that's been, you know, that's had chronic constipation or pains in their tummy can vouch for the fact that you're not usually very hungry um, when you are going through those things. So um, in Zara's case, you know, there was a huge reduction in appetite and she just wasn't interested in food anymore. Um, and that's understandable because she had, you know, she she associated um, food even unconsciously, even if it was unconsciously, with pain in the tummy um, and discomfort. Uh, so, you know, there's that link between those digestive symptoms and appetite. 
you know, an unhappy gut is generally not a hungry gut. Um, and, and if it is, it's generally not hungry for those healthy, nutrient-rich, fiber-rich foods that are going to rebalance that gut microbiome and improve those digestive processes. And in Zara's case, she had, you know, that weight, the, the, the weight loss. She was underweight. Um, and so that's no surprise when she didn't have much of an appetite because of everything that was going on for her. And her, you know, the gut is also really important when it comes to the immune system and when we start to improve that gut microbiome, start to correct that gut dysbiosis, we always see an improvement in immunity um, as well. And, you know, when kids start to eat more nutrient-rich foods because they're not so fussy, then we can see an improve, uh, improvement in immunity because they're getting a higher intake of you know, those immune supporting nutrients through the food they're eating. So what we did essentially, you know, we we corrected the gut microbiome, we nourished and repaired the gut lining. And these two things go hand in hand because when we start to uh, correct the gut microbiome and um, nourish the good, healthy bacteria that are in the gut microbiome, the gut starts to naturally produce more short-chain fatty acids. And these short-chain fatty acids nourish and heal the gut lining. Of course, there's other things that we can do to speed this process up and to um, to support that gut healing and nourishing of the gut lining. But when we start to, you know, turn this around and start to improve the diversity of the gut microbiome, it also naturally starts to heal and nourish the gut lining. And so everything started turning around for Zara. Um, you know, immunity improved. She got off that sort of antibiotic cycle. Weight started to increase. Um she started accepting a wider variety of foods, so she wasn't as fussy or picky. She started tolerating a wider variety of foods um, and those specific digestive symptoms, the constipation, the irregular bowels, the low appetite started to increase as well. And so this is why, you know, I am so passionate about gut health when it comes to kids, because it's one thing that we can focus on that turns this messy, overwhelming sort of health um, challenge story into a positive story. And this is just one story that we have here at Natural Super Kids. We have many, many, many others just like it. And these are the things that are often, you know, not talked about when um, parents are going to see GPs or pediatricians. Um, and, and this is, you know, why we, we love what we do here at Natural Super Kids, because we can offer hope to families that, are, that have often been um, to multiple doctors, uh, multiple specialists, and just keep getting prescribed those antibiotics and, um, you know, encouraged to feed their kids more food to increase that weight gain. And practically, that's just impossible when they are reacting to so many foods and they're so fussy with food. I do just want to add, that of course, fussy eating is complex. It's multifactorial. Um, you know, there's there's more. 
that we can look at uh, when it comes to fussy eating. Uh, you know, there's there's sensory issues, there's, you know, the behaviour and, and the habits and um, all of those things. So I'm not saying that this is the one and only um, solution to fussy eating in kids, um, but the health of the gut um, and gut imbalances and dysbiosis are often overlooked by parents and health professionals. So I really wanted to bring this to light. Now, if you're listening to this in real time and it is early March 2024, um, I will be sharing some more information um, and you may have already heard it at the start of this podcast on a masterclass that I'm running to give you some strategies on how to, you know, help turn this sort of thing and this health picture um, around for your child. Uh, if you if it's past the date that I'm running this free masterclass, um, you can still download our free Kids Gut Health ebook, and I'll make sure that that is in the the show notes. The link to that is in the show notes, um, and this walks you through um, some really practical ways that you can start to improve your child's uh, gut health microbiome diversity and gut function overall. Um, and I really hope you have enjoyed this episode. If you enjoyed it and you know of someone who might benefit from hearing about this information, I appreciate so much any sharing that you can do. Send them this episode. Um, and I'd love to hear from you on Instagram as well. So if you're not following us over on Instagram, come on over and follow us, Natural Super Kids. We often share, um, you know, extra information to support what we're talking about on the podcast over on our Instagram and, you know, present the information that we're sharing in the podcast in different engaging ways for you as well. So come on over and say hi. Our DMs are always open. We'd love to hear how you found this podcast episode. Thanks so much for listening and I'll uh, be back in your ears next next week. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Head on over to our website, naturalsuperkids.com for the show notes for this episode, as well as a whole heap of inspiration to help you raise healthy and happy kids. I'll see you next week. Before you go, don't forget about my free online on-demand masterclass, Three Simple Ways to Naturally Boost Your Kid's Immunity to Avoid a Winter Full of Sickness. I'm sharing my practical tips on ways that you can strengthen your whole family's immune system to avoid the onslaught of winter infections so your family can stay healthy and well this winter. You can sign up at naturalsuperkids.com forward slash immune.